Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. You know that sound the unfiltered band means just another episode of Unfiltered. This one officially go down as episode 240. You can get us 24-7-365 Unfiltered Revolution, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your pod, Twitter, the artist formerly known as X, if you will, and on YouTube, where if you jump in at Casey Stern and go up top, you can get in to the bio, get on the YouTube channel, watch now 239 into 240 episodes deep and thank you to the unfiltered band for being with us and thank you for being back with us to a longtime friend longtime teammate uh and an architect in the front and uh, now on uh, you can find him all week long and on the weekend on sunday in the front office on mlb network radio of course power alley on a daily basis there and uh trying to uh, bring more power than the mets lineup has uh when he is on the lineup con- Constantly uh, talking about the Mets, among other things, our, our guy Jim Duquette. Duke, appreciate this, buddy. How are you this morning? Happy New Year, Case. Everything is going well, with the exception of having to watch the, an offseason of the Mets trying to improve their team and be competitive. Uh, yeah, everything else has been good. Yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to I want to talk about it and get into that. I got to ask you this just because you just you just did it. And I don't think this is a faux pas. But what is the happy the new year rule? See, I I believe if you haven't if you know somebody a long time or you usually see them often, yep. and you haven't seen them yet for this year. It kind of goes past the first few days. Is there but is there normally a cutoff for you? Like what is like I, I say this, by the way. There's a Christmas tree my kids haven't let me take down yet that's in the background. So I break all the rules. But right. what is your what's the rule on Happy New Year yes. for you? Yes, and, and a Christmas tree, by the way, that in our house, uh, we have two. One of them stays up into the summer for some reason. I don't know why. And so really? that's a whole different With story. the lights and every, ornaments? With then the ornaments, turns, the whole deal. it turns to Easter eggs. And then it's got, you know, oh, spring, okay. Okay. spring thing. So. Okay. You okay. Know, anyway. It's a theme, theme tree. It's a theme tree. Okay. Yes. I got you. Just just getting along. Just getting along at this point. That's the way we that's the way it operates. Uh I feel, you know, I I kind of feel like there's this arbitrary date, you know, maybe the middle of the month of January where you, uh-huh. where it might still uh-huh. be acceptable, especially if you haven't talked to them yet or whatever. But man, much later than that. I, I, I we're at we're on to 2024. I, I don't know. What about you? Do you have a, a you know do you have a hard hard deadline? What do you? Have? I don't. I don't have. A, I don't have a hard deadline. I think. I think there's that once the first time you see them, you kind of get it out of the way. I think right. it, it, it it can't hit February. That's the only rule. Like if you're no, a Groundhog no, Day no. and you're still saying Happy New Year, there's there's something wrong with you. Not that there's right. anything wrong with having a, a tree that's still up or Easter eggs on yours. Uh, nothing wrong with the fact that at least we'll get a chance to discuss a number of things. I want to hit uh, the Mets and get into all that's going on with them. What's about uh, the the O's uh, close to home near you? I may hit some Ravens, too, just to ask you, because I know you're a big yeah. fan. And they are. I mean, this is this, this is as close as it's been since the you know the last time when you did get there and you you. You killed my Giants. Yeah. At least you didn't shut us out, even though the defense didn't allow any points. Thanks to Ron Dixon with that kick return. Right. Um, right. Want to get into a number of things in free agency, but we do always say we're presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, latest odds, lines, matchup reports, basketball, baseball, boxing, golf, football, everything you got. They are the fastest and easiest way for your wagers, live betting, favorite casino and card games right from your phone. So get over the website now, use your mobile device, and sign up today. 
And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. It'll get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Ben Online where the game starts. And I start here. We know Met fans are not happy. We know Met fans don't think it's good enough. But are the Mets doing the right thing in the way that they've handled things so far this offseason? Well, I mean, the right thing, we know that there's still time left before spring training to improve the team. And it kind of looks like they're going to do that. We don't know for sure. So it's still kind of an incomplete when you look at what, what they've done so far. But I, I, what I don't like is the messaging. Okay, uh, I don't think that that's the right thing. Uh, when you're, you know, again, this is all by the expectations that have been created already with the new, under the new ownership. So it's, it's, you know, we want to be like the Dodgers. Uh, we want to be, you know, you're competing with the headlines in New York, like this, which has always been there. And when you sit there and say, well, we're, we want to be competitive this year, but it's not, the goal isn't to try to win the world series. I don't even hear them say right now, uh, get to the postseason. Like those are just those are just layup goals that you expect of large market clubs, teams like the Mets that are charging the exorbitant prices that they are to their, for their fan base and the rabid fan, fan base itself. Itself, like you have minimum standard of what you expect from year to year, and it shouldn't be giving up a season. Which is, they're not really saying that because you know they use the word be competitive, but. Uh, it's just a shade above mediocre for me, the the messaging, and it's and it's the wrong message. And and I'm I'm a little surprised that uh, David Stearns, their new base uh, president of baseball operations, is continued to kind of foster that message uh, without I don't think too much clarity. I think there needs to be more clarity. We're tr you're trying to get to the postseason, and you know it, you know right now you look at some of the projections. I can use the projections at this time of the year as like a guideline. Like where are they deficient? Where are they look? What are the the projections look at like they're you know stronger? Just to buy so that when we eyeball it ourselves and we you and I both been in the game for a long time, we do our own evaluations. Like all right, does it match what, how I'm feeling about the team? And they're deficient still in the rotation. They're deficient still in the offense. And they're deficient, in my opinion, in the bullpen. Even though the the projections look good, that's because of they're uh, anticipating a healthy Edwin Diaz for a full year, and you can't count on that because he missed the entire season with the knee knee surgery. So there's a lot of flaws, uh, you know, in, in these projections. By the way, they may end up out, out kicking what the what the the uh, projections look like at, at the end of the year and and exceeding that. But um, it's not. It doesn't look uh, kind on it uh, on them at the moment. Middle of the pack, they shouldn't be in that you know middle of the pack. This is this is a team in New York that has all of the resources to go out and try to win every single year. And I think that's what the Dodgers have done. Go look at their track record. If you're comparing yourself to the Dodgers, I don't recall you you helped me in the last dozen years. Oh, no. Yeah, well, come on. Going back to Ned Coletti as a GM. Have they ever said, we just want to be competitive this year? I don't think I've ever heard them say that. No, I, I, I here's the thing. And I, I think I'm getting, I'm getting soft in my old age in some ways as a, as a, as a Met fan, the analyst in, in me tells you this, let's start here. They're not a good team. 
Okay, this is not a good team, not a good roster. The depth in the bullpen is not nearly deep enough. Your point, and I think that's huge because if you're not going to be able to blow people away offensively, and your rotation is going to have a lot of guys who can't go deep into games, that bullpen's got to be the strength of your team, and it's definitely not, especially in a depth standpoint. It's not. Where look, Manaya may start as a starter, but he was in the relief end of things more last year than he was a starter, right? So if you've got a, I love the Manaya move. <clears throat> excuse me. If you're a really good team, he's great because back of your rotation and in that bullpen, he's like a an advanced version, maybe in a left-handed of what Trevor Williams gave you a couple of years ago, right? right. But that's they need him to be way more than that. I I will say this though, I am okay with the fact that David Stearns came in and clearly behind the scenes has said, "We're not good enough," and. I'm not going to let us do what you just did a couple of years ago and just put money on the books. we got to figure out how to do it the right way. But to your point, it's difficult to do that in New York. So I ask you, we, this is a conversation we've had and everybody's had for I don't know how many years in sports in New York. Can you build a team in New York and not jump, Duke? Can you take the time to do what they're doing? Because look, let tell me I'm wrong. Manaya, they hope, and he's got an opt-out after the year. He pitches well. They deal him at the deadline for something, right? You're always looking to pull out. I'll go back to your Orioles. You're always looking to pull out the Scott Feldman deal as a fifth starter to give you Arietta and Strope, right, where you've got those rentals. How can you build slowly in New York? Is it well, possible? It, it is. I think it's – here's how I think it's possible. If And, again, I'm going to use the Dodgers. I hate always using the Dodgers, but they – the Mets are the ones who use this comparison. So I'm going to stay with it because, you know, we watch them. And I think Andrew Friedman's one of the best uh, evaluators and front office guys in the sport. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think oh, there's a guy sure. that's a second, question. you know, there, you know, there, there are other good ones, but, but Friedman's the, the best. And I think Stern's, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, with money, how that, that turns out. Like he's been, he's been very good in Milwaukee. So, so I don't want to like, like he, you know, and I believe that, you know, he's really bright. He understands New York. He's from New York, all that. So there's a lot of uh, factors that I think are, you know, are going to be good long-term, but mm-hmm. with what the Dodgers did, they many times had a player development system that was churning out quality top-notch players. If you want to go back to when Corey Seager was in the minor leagues and Julio Arias uh, start just, just starting there. Right. And, and then each year, they have generated more and more uh, prospect. Walker Bueller is an, uh, obviously an, another one that comes to mind that you know was impactful. They have James Outman now, who's uh, in the one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year. Every single year, they are turning out guys, developing them, getting them ready to help at the major league level, and then inserting them into uh, the major league roster. And what they do is they support that with veteran type players that are quality major leaguers that help you win and help kind of support the young player as they come up uh, at the major league level. And that's what you, and what they could be doing right now with the, with the Mets. And maybe they will, maybe at the end of this winter, we sit there and say, Oh, they found a one year stopgap in left field. They found uh, a potential uh, one year uh, guy at third base to help in the growth with Brett Beatty. And, and hopefully we see a better Brett Beatty in 2024. Like, Little things like that, that, that you, I hope we'll see improvements that fill in the gaps where they're, where they're uh, really, I think weak, you know, you mentioned the bullpen, another arm or two, he, 
he spent a lot of time, David Stearns did, you know, grabbing, you know, what will hopefully be uh, undervalued arms, relief arms, you know, and so that depth, which they were lacking last year, um, you know, you need these days, you need about 20 pitchers. You need, you know, eight in the minor leagues, eight guys that have some kind of uh, ability to uh, have some kind of major league, uh, you know, track record that are on minor league deals that can maybe sit there in AAA for a little bit, or you've got guys that are on options. And so, so I think there's ways to do it. And he's, he's tried doing that, you know, in some areas. And so maybe that bullpen, you know, and by the way, David Stearns built very good bullpens in Milwaukee year after year after year. And he had a very good manager, by the way, one of the best in the sport, you know, and that, that kind of gets into that, you know, okay, you have a rookie manager too, uh, that has to kind of maneuver through all of this. And that's the other factor, you know, uh, in this equation about them being competitive or not. So um, I think you can go back to your, your overall general question. Um, the one thing I will say that is, you know, and I'm, I'm hopeful that their development system is going to be better moving forward. They have had a lot of turnover behind the scenes, oh, guys who oversee their minor leagues. Uh, Andy Green now is running their minor leagues. And I think he's one of the, the great baseball minds. And he and, and a couple of the current front office guys, I think together are going to you know, create that top-notch quality player development system that it's been a little rocky over the last five or six years. And I think consequently, that's why you've seen a rocky a couple of uh, years of guys that they were playing up is going to be impactful at the major league level, and they haven't quite been there. I think that's a, a, a deficient minor league system more than anything else currently. And I, I feel like that's another area that they started to fix under Billy Epler and now will continue with Stearns. I want to – one more before we move on from the Mets. I team now, and I say, yeah, look, I, I Brett Beatty, to me, chance to be a, a nice, decent player. I, I don't think he's an impact guy. Vientos, holes in his swing to me. You're almost better off foraying him and, and letting him build value and moving him, I, I think. And when I, when I look at all of that, Justin Turner, that name just seems to just fit in every way for me. Scenes, what he does, Duke, the example he sets, the fact that you can use him a little bit in the infield in addition to a DH bat, the kind of at-bats he gives and what that sets up for your lineup. We saw that for so many years with the Dodgers, where you and I were covering many playoff series year after year, and he was the toughest out for those guys in October, regardless of not being the biggest name. What about Turner as a fit and and kind of see in general, when you look at some of the names, what kind of direction do you see for the rest of the offseason for them? See, I think Turner is a great fit. Um, he he fits all of those uh, criteria. The, the only issue that I worry about with Justin is at 39 years old, how much could he really play at third? So let's just play into the GM aspect of this for a second. Say, okay, Beatty struggles out of the gate, and now you need a third baseman. Can Turner really give you 40, 50 games at that position every single day? You know, Alex Gore would come on uh, with me last year um, on occasion. We would talk a lot about Turner and his impact on the Red Sox, his leadership ability, all that. He's like, you know, the hardest part with JT is convincing him that he's not he shouldn't be playing in the field. His mind says he needs to be in the field, but his body doesn't. You know, and so 
that but but i think that they do have a dh plenty of dh spots uh sure that bats Absolutely. there the dh is, they're really deficient there and he could play some second he could play some third he could play even some first you want to get pete off his feet for a little bit so so you know there's i think there's the, the point is there's room for turner and another guy maybe like a you know, I'm not even suggesting Chapman. What about a Gio Urshela who who is willing to play a bench role, catches the ball there at third base, and you know can handle the position as a fallback? That's what he was in, in Anaheim for Rendon. When Rendon gets injured, you got a guy who is a credible guy who can play. Yeah, is he perfect? No, but you're trying to save those at bats for hopefully Beatty's uh, future development. So you know, we'll see. I agree with you. By the way, Beatty has a lot of holes in his in his swing. Uh, that he needs to make adjustments to. Same thing with Vientos. And I think their best third baseman, unfortunately, is injured right now uh, in Mauricio. Agreed. Agreed. Like, he's either third or second for me you know, you know, in the future. Yep. And I think that obviously hurt them and maybe even put them more in a position of kind of – it looks like a, a stopgap season. Let's, let's put everything on – And let's get to 2025. We'll see. Uh, clearly, the Orioles, and I want to go there next because obviously, the Orioles had such a, an amazing year. I know the end of it doesn't work out the way that they want. I know you don't go deep in the post as you want. How much of it more, and how surprised that see you at the end of it to see the level of success well, that they had? Oh my goodness! I, at the end of that, one hundred wins. I mean, that is in the American League East. On top of that, that is impressive. That's amazing. Like, yeah, thank you. Right? I mean, incredible season that they had. And yeah, it was a disappointment to get bounced in that first round. You know what? There's a lot of really good teams. Uh, a couple of them that had 100 wins that also didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs, too. Hello, Atlanta, right? The Dodgers were bounced early. Like, teams that had excellent seasons. So, so maybe there's yep, a flaw. Yep. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's a flaw in the postseason uh, with all those days off. We'll have to wait and see. We need more more uh, of a of a track record before we can really say that. But, yeah, there's you know teams that were sitting around for four days. They did, it didn't fare well. Houston, Houston was good. Houston got got to where they always seem to be, right? Uh, steps away from the World Series again, and they had that time off too. But back to your point on the Orioles, like I think what was so unexpected was they had uh, flaws in their starting rotation at the beginning of the season, uh, and they went out and acquired a guy that didn't really pitch all that well for them, the lefty Cole Irvin. They traded for him from the A's, and he struggled. And then Grayson Rodriguez, out of the gate, you know, had some struggles. They had to send it back down. And so you, it was. It left you wondering at the middle of the season, like, are they going to have enough pitching to get to the end of the season? Like, it felt like it was they were going to limp mm -hmm. into the season. And the job that Chris Holt, who was their pitching coach at the time, did, and Mike Elias, obviously, with the depth of the pitching and the way their bullpen was set up, and the way Brandon Hyde, you know, handled uh, the pitching there, the, they had plenty of it. You know, I didn't like the way they handled it in the postseason. That's that's you know, those are just one offs and two offs that we get to. You and I evaluated for a dozen years like the sense of urgency in the postseason mm -hmm. it has to be mm -hmm. there first time you're there sometimes the manager you know doesn't see it quite like that he'll be he'll he's really talented and really good he'll learn from that and get you know and be uh, different better the next time but 
it is remarkable that all of the young talent that they acquired all hit at about the same time and they have they are set up their their system is deep their top eight guys and their prospects are all i think impactful guys and so you know they don't have a ton of pitching in that group so they're gonna have to go supplement it with uh, free agents uh starting pitchers and that sort of thing but yeah they're set up to have a, this door open kind of like what houston had in that period when aj yeah. hinge first took over you know about 20 what 15 area right after Je you know right when jeff luno was operating there and by the way elias was their scouting director at the time you know so i i think this is going to be a lot of fun this is the start of a lot of excellent baseball in baltimore they nothing against look flarity i i get why they did it i don't, i don't think they aimed high enough in general looking at that deadline and pounced Right, I don't want to get into the prospects are cool, but when you get a chance to get a parade, that's when it's valuable, right? To put that pedal down. Now you look at this free agent offseason, we haven't heard much about them. Are they being aggressive enough about the here and now? We all know about the future. We all know about how it's laid out for years to come. Do you think that the Orioles are doing enough to push the pedal on the here and now when you look at the way that they've handled the offseason? So here, it's a it's a really good uh, point. Here's what I know: is their their GM is aggressively pursuing pitching, starting pitching on the trade market. Um, there's only a couple guys out there, and Dylan Cease is the name that pops up a lot mm -hmm. uh, in Baltimore. Uh, conversations with Jerry Depoto in Seattle. Jerry's always willing to trade, especially if he can get back a, a offensive piece. He has a, a depth of starting pitching now he you know he just made a trade for robbie you know made, traded robbie ray and he got back anthony yep. and okay. i had him on my show the other day jerry and didn't sound like they're going to move any young pitching but he the one team that or two teams that could convince him to trade one of those starters is the orioles with their with their uh young uh prospects and their young position mm -hmm. players so i wouldn't rule out there but right now you know dylan cease is their is their i think main target they're, they have financial constraints that's put uh, that's added there by, by their owner, uh, by the ownership there, uh, the Angelos uh, sons, John Angelos in particular, that makes it, you know, a little more difficult to, to imagine that they're going to be signing the Jordan Montgomery's and the Blake Snell's, the two high-end free agents that are out there right now. Uh, but I still think they have a move in them before spring training for a top starting pitcher. Teoscar Hernandez, the latest to go to the Dodgers, one for 23, I guess it was. Obviously, we know Yamamoto and Otani and the other bringing Glasnow, and the list goes on and on and on. I got kind of two on here, but let me start with the first one because it gets it gets asked so many times and, and we hear so many fans and see on social media, it's bad for the game. It's terrible for the game. They're ruining the game. They have to be stopped and all of these sort of things. Normally, back in... You know, my lifetime as a fan, forget about just covering it 20 years, normally people in the front offices of other teams would be saying and thinking things like that. And the fans wouldn't. Necessarily. It's really interesting. So now I want to go reverse. The fans, a lot of them who are not Dodger fans, think somehow this is, is very bad for the game, Duke. Is this bad for the game? And do the Dodgers need to be stopped? I mean, how much of an issue is this right now? Well, I, I think that, um, th you know, the disparity in payrolls is always year after year a question that gets debated right the disparity between the haves and the have-nots ownership even at the ownership level 
They argue about it. We discuss it. Players talk about it. Front office guys talk about it. Like it's like the huge elephant in the room. Oh, they got all this payroll. And, and but as we've seen, we, the Mets are a classic example. And let's go to the top five payrolls even last year. Yankees, Mets, Padres, three of the top five didn't even make the postseason. And so there's no guarantee. And we're terrible. The story terrible. All of them. Of all, all three of them. them. Awful, right? All of them. So, so there's no guarantee, as you know, of getting into the postseason. Does it give you a better chance? It, of course it does. But the crash and burn is also uh, there, the factor. And that's what we saw last year. And we see it time and time again. And almost always at the, you know, at the World Series, uh, the highest payroll team isn't there. That's not always the case. But, I mean, more times than not, it's been, you know, so – does it help to be even in the top 10? Yes, it does. Do we see that um, play itself out over over the last few years? It does. But, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, because of our sport and, and the great, I think, equalizer is the way the postseason is uh, uh, added, the, the way that it's structured. If you have that good, you know, that, that buy, uh, you know, and you have four days off, it, right now, we've seen, and, and I think a lot, most most of it's in the hitters' heads. But the hitters don't feel like they 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 feel like they've lost more of their timing. They've lost an edge because the sport is a day to day one. And we saw last year, right? The Rangers, wild card team, Arizona, wild card team. They're sitting there at the World Series, and we've seen that a, a, a fair amount going back to when the Giants and the Royals, you know, and teams like that were you know were getting into the World Series. So. I think it's something we have to obviously keep an eye on. We'll never get, I don't think um, we'll ever get a salary cap in our sport. Like it just Shohei Otani's uh, record number is another reason yeah, why we that? won't like, it's incredible, right? 700 million. I don't care what the present day value is. No one talks about present day value. They get 700 million. They're paying them. So it's like, it's right. 700 million. Yeah. It's 700. Let that number continually sink in. Right. I, I can't even believe it. That's why we'll never have a salary cap in my mind. So, you know, wh what's the uh, alternative? I think these smaller market teams, the way the Orioles do it, the way Tampa does it, the way Cleveland has done it, um, is to just really continue to build up their player development system and, and do it differently. And there are ways to win, I think, at the major league level that way. I, I got one more, then I'll, I'll get a Ravens pick from you on their uh, Super Bowl run. We'll see. Uh you mentioned Otani. I go back to the day that he signed. And one thing I kept saying, and speaking of things repeated over and over that got to sink in. If somebody would ask me five years ago, will anybody during Mike Trout's career get paid more than him? I would have said no. I, I would have said either he'll get up to get a new contract. Nobody better than Mike Trout. Shohei Otani in two less years, almost $300 million more than Mike Trout. That, that's absurd. But it lends me to think about this. I thought last year's handling at the deadline by the Angels was the worst handling of any trade deadline that I've seen in my 20 years covering the game or probably my lifetime. They got nothing for Otani. The reasoning of it, the changing of the mind of Artie, who didn't even win the team two weeks before that, and then get holding on to him. How do you trade Mike Trout? How do you sit there and watch what the Dodgers are doing down the road-ish? Because we know it takes forever on the five freeway. But you're watching Otani, Yamamoto. They're going to be on TV, the Dodgers, Duke, every five seconds. They're going to be the stars of the show that they want. And you're now nobodies with Mike Trout once again, like Tom, Tom Hanks and Castaway looking for Wilson. We have to sit here and 
this sport and watch Mike Trout now stranded forever. I mean, if you're sitting there with the Angels, <laughs> yes. are you more about trading Mike Trout than we're we're hearing because right now you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like forget about this offseason. I know he's not moving, but it seems like there's no plan to ever move Mike Trout. And I don't understand we're going to get better ever if they don't trade Mike Trout. Yes, I love your analogy. I'd love to see Mike Trout with the Tom Hanks beard someday. I don't right? think we'll ever see that. Right, right. It's a great because he, I mean, I mean he he's is. just he's as lonely. Island. He's just as lonely. <laughs> he is just there. as lonely. And, and you know, he wants off that island. Uh, but but I, I do think that um, the hard part, here's the hard part. Uh, and he has expressed his frustration, Trout has, with his health. He's had a, he's had health issues the last couple of years where he hasn't played full seasons. Who in what team is giving up the prospects it would take to get Mike Trout and taking on all of that money uh, for the back half of Mike Trout? That maybe there's somebody out there. I don't know if there is. And, you know, and, and it has to be a fit. You know, Mike has to want to go there. Right? He has complete no trade clause. You have to convince the owner to do it, which we know it's not likely. Like he wouldn't even trade Otani in his prime last year. So how is he going to trade, you know, Trout at this point with the best player that we've seen in our, in our generation at, uh, until Otani came along? So, like, all of those things, you know, being said, I think it would take Trout to go into the front office and go into ownership and actually demand a trade. At some point, you know, and maybe the time to do that is he puts up a full season, gets him back into the MVP consideration. You know, he's a finalist or maybe even wins the MVP. He probably wouldn't win the MVP next year because I don't think the Angels are going to beat strong. But, but let's say he puts himself into that uh, final three. Then he goes to the ownership and said, listen, now you can get value for me. Please trade me. Do do right by me and and move me. I that's the only way I could see it happening. Uh, your Ravens are, I, in my opinion, they're they're the best team in the AFC for sure. Yes, it's either them or the version of the Niners outside of the game where Purdy threw four pick. Remember offhand who they were playing a week or two ago? Where look like those Baltimore. those look like the best teams to me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's against you, yes. yes. They look yes. like the best teams. I mean, that to me looks like a rematch waiting to happen. Maybe Dak. I mean, I don't like the Cowboys, but I, I you know, his story you got to admire because everybody's crapping on him. Yep. How disappointed will you be if they don't win the Super Bowl? Like, has this become like a now um, they have to because they clearly are the best team? Where are you on that? Yeah, you you know my house, and it's full of Ravens fans, and they have been asking for the last three weeks. Can I get Super Bowl tickets? It's in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> they 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 are putting a lot of pressure on me <laughs> to come uh, up with Super Bowl tickets. And I, you know, here's uh, here's the issue. So last time the Ravens were in this position, they had the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, I gave them opportunities to go to a postseason game. We had we had lined up two elite, you know, two postseason home games. With a you know buy and then so my youngest you know Lindsay she says I'm going the first yep. game the other two said I'm gonna wait for the AFC championship game we never got to the AFC championship uh, game we lost in that uh, it was one <laughs> and done so we since we've been in this situation I have a more measured optimism this year but I agree with you I think they're the best team uh, they've shown they were the best team and they beat yeah. what they did to the Dolphins yeah. they just 
they undressed the Dolphins and uh, they beat the Niners in San Francisco. So I, I feel like they have shown that they're the number one team. But the, again, <laughs> we got the playoffs now. So I'm excited for it, though. You can get them at Jim Duquette GM on uh, Twitter X, if you will. I can't call it X, Twitter. Uh, you also can find them, of course, on MLB Network Radio all week long, SNY and well. Uh, Duke, appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much for the time right. this morning. We'll chat again soon. All right. Good to see you, buddy. There he is, Thanks Jim Duquette. You can catch us at YouTube, my friend. He filtered all the time, anytime. Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. See you next time. Presented by our good friends at Beth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.